Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, today we're going to talk about kids' brain damage. I mean, this will also translate to adults. But with 54% of our children um, having brain damage or a chronic illness or disease, we have to look into it because they're their future. Now, if we're talking brain damage in adults, we have a 100% chance that, and this is a one-in-one ratio, that you, as an adult, will get some type of brain damage. And we're talking dementia and Alzheimer's. Now, this is unique in our, our species. This has never been like this. So we're going to go over the basics, and I'm going to go over the science behind it. But when we look at healing the gut damage, because there's a huge connection between the gut-brain, um, you're talking vaccine-free, medication-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, and then you have to build up the body with an organic plant-based diet, digestive enzymes. You can do IV detoxing of the heavy metal exposure, hyperbaric chamber, and, of course, corrective chiropractic here for autonomic dysfunction. But let's look at this. Now, um, I was looking at this article in Medscape, and the title of the article is Polypharmacy Increasing in Children, Should We Be Concerned? And when you think of this, okay, they're talking about our children taking multiple medications as children. And we're looking at five-year-olds and one-year-olds. I mean, I'm getting kids less than a year taking antacids because they have reflux. Uh, This is is, uh, insanity. Well, currently, out of the study that they're um, talking about, They studied about 5 million kids, and they found out a million of them were taking at least one medication for chronic uh, disease. One medication for chronic illness. That means 20% of them were taking a drug. Now, it turns out that 54% of our kids have a chronic illness or um, condition they'll never recover from. Now, 1 in 10 or 10% take multiple medications. That's right. How would you like to have a five- or six-year-old kid taking multiple pharmaceutical products? Now, what are they for? Um, You're talking central nervous system disorders, you know, Ritalin, antidepressants, antipsychotics, anti-seizure medications. Uh, And this goes on to say they have to strategize how to provide safe, evidence-based, and cost-effective pharmaceutical care to children. End of quote. Okay, does anybody, has there ever been a study to find out when you give a child a drug, how it affects their brain and body and physiology decades down the road? No, they're not. Okay, and I love this one quote in here, make sure that we don't rely solely on psychiatric pharmacotherapy. We must uh, complement medication use with appropriate counseling, therapy, and social supports. They're so far afield, the medical world, with what is actually happening with our population. I mean, it's crazy. Um, They think that a psychiatric disorder has to do with just the brain and not how the body functions. I'm going to give you an example. Okay, now this was, okay, this is the article out of Medscape today. Okay, we're talking 2019. Worried about uh, multiple drugs prescribed to our kids, and our kids are sicker and sicker. 
Well, let's go way back to 1905. And there was an um, article published in Collier's Magazine called The Exposé of the Patent Medicine Fraud, uh, what you would call this today pharmaceutical products. And <laughs> I love this. Um, uh, quote, for instance, laxatives perform what they promise, but taken regularly has thousands of people take them and indeed has advertisements urge. They become an increasingly baneful necessity. And when you hear baneful, it means that it's just, it, it's, it going, it's going to alter the physiology. Now, at the time, and this is really important because, again, what we're doing to our kids today, 100 years from now, people will think, good God, you were the dumbest society on the planet. You saw 54% of your kids develop a chronic illness or injury. You knew that statistically uh, by 2030, okay, some pay 2025, some people say 2035, but say 2030 on average, that 1 in 2% of your population will have autism. And that is the end of our society. That means half of our population is going to have some type of brain damage, okay, in the children's section. So let's go back 100 years. And uh, they're talking about a drug called acetanilide. Now, acetanilide, um, it, well, let's just say it was a widely utilized medication, and it started back in 1886, but here. Um, let me read the quote out of the article from Collier's Magazine. Acetanilide will undoubtedly relieve headaches of certain kinds, but acetanilide has the basis of headache powders, is prone to remove the cause of the symptoms by permanently putting a complete stop to the heart action. Invariably, when taken in st uh, steadily, it produces constitutional disturbances of insidious development which result fatality if the drug is not discontinued and often enslaves the devotee to its use. End of quote. I mean, isn't that brilliant? They use they used language the way we should use it. And going back um, to this article, I get to read you one more quote from it. Cocaine and opium stop pain, but the narcotics are not the safest drugs to put in the hands of the ignorant, particularly when their presence is concealed in the cough remedies and soothing syrups and catarrhal uh, powders, all which are the basis of it. And yes, you, you know that they're warning the opioid epidemic or crisis back in 1905. Now... Um, when you look at this, acetanilide, uh, that drug was taken off the market in 1948 it's after it killed, and they actually ran the number of people that in the New York Times that it killed. Um, however, guess what? They found out that acetanilide is mostly metabolized to acetaminophen in the human body. So acetaminophen, or paramansamol, is um, the leading ingredient in Tylenol. And this is currently the deadliest drug in America, or one of the deadliest drugs. And it's the leading cause of liver damage. So it was pulled off the market in 1948, and now it's one of the most popular drugs out there, and it's still killing people. This is crazy. Now, 
when we look at a review, and we have to look at the gut-brain connection when we're talking about the brain damage of our kids. So let's look at the most um, scary type of brain damage, or autism. And there's a brilliant article, and this was on uh, T-A-N-D-F online. And this is literally off of the, the Journal of Immunotoxicology. It was published on February 2011. The title of the article is Theoretical Aspects of Autism Causes a Review. And they go on to say, okay, it was first diagnosed or coined in 1943 and it's estimated that it occurred four to five per 10,000. Uh, currently, of course, this article was from 2011. Um, so we have to take that, knowing that it was eight years ago, it was one in 110 in the United States. Currently, it's one in 59, unless you read the article in, in Psychology Today that says it's one in 29. So we went from 110, one in 110, to one in 29. Um, quote, Documented cases of autism include genetic mutations or deleterious uh, viral infections and uh, encephalitis following vaccination. So they're saying the causes could be genetic mutations, um, viral infections, or brain swelling following vaccinations. And they say the inflammation of the brain could be caused by a defective placenta, immature blood-brain barrier, immune system response of mother to infection while pregnant, a premature birth, encephalitis in the child after birth, or a toxic environment. And all of this stuff makes sense because we have to look at the causes of autism has some type of environmental action. Um, it goes on to state autism has increased into epidemic proportions, affecting four times as many males as females, um, and this is a very significant threat to future generations. Uh, now, they, they state that inflammation in the brain, the inflammation could be caused by defective placenta, immature blood-brain barrier, um, encephalitis in the child after birth of, or toxic event. Now, when we look at this, and here I'm just cleaning up the slides a bit, uh, it's dangerous. So we're looking at to find out what is causing the neural inflammation, the brain injury, the autoimmune re reaction, what could possibly be causing it? Well, let's look at the Medical Science Monitor 2000. And they go on a comparative evaluation effects of MMR immunization and mercury doses from thymiocytes containing childhood vaccines on the population prevalence of autism. That's the title. Okay, and what it was determined was that there was a close correlation between mercury doses from thermiosol containing vaccines and the prevalence of autism from the late 80s through the mid-90s. In contrast, there was a potential correlation between the number of primary pediatric measles containing vaccines administered and the prevalence of autism during the 1980s. Um, they go on to state that these studies agree with a number of previously pu published studies. And their recommendations, it's recommended that thermosol be removed from all vaccines and additional research be undertaken to produce the MMR vaccine with an improved safety profile. 
end of quote. Now, that's interesting because the MMR hasn't changed. They went from one doses to two, and now you're going to see the adults forced on it because of the absolute insanity of the measles um, panic. Now, all you've got to do is be able to read this stuff. But with a panic of people, they're going insane. When they look at Clinical Infectious Disease Journal, and this is August 1999, they report a case of measles inclusion, um, inclusion body encephalitis in a boy, 20-month-old, that received the vaccine and got um, encephalitis or brain swelling. Um, when we look at molecular pathology, they diagnosed that the vaccine can actually cause inflammation of the gut, similar to what uh, Dr. Andrew Wakefield found. We know, if you look at the Harvard Review of Psychiatry, gastrointestinal issues in autism spectrum disorder. And they say, well, autism spectrum disorder is characterized by communication impairments, social abnormalities, um, several medical comorbidities, However, it further addresses the GI abnormalities that can affect the neuropathological and behavioral features of autism. What that means is something is damaging the gut of the kids. Okay, that's bottom line. The guts are being destroyed. And this um, is uh, absolutely affecting the immune dysregulation, um, hyperserotonemia, okay, and altered metabolic functions. Uh, and this article states, finally, it presents emerging evidence for a gut-brain connection in autism where gastrointestinal dysfunction may contribute to pathogenicity and severity of autism symptoms. Uh, let, me, let me go on to quote, a preponderance of evidence suggests that a significant subset of autistic individuals exhibit gastrointestinal abnormalities. And the GI issues can contribute to clinical manifestations, manifestations of autism spectrum disorder associated symptoms, including abnormal behavior, immune dysregulation, and metabolic function. It, isn't that interesting? So we got to look. Obviously, something is damaging the brains. We know that the gut is affected. We know there's a gut-brain connection. Um, then we go on to the uh, European Medical Journal. Uh, it's published in September. The vaccination um, might display autoimmune side effects and potentially even trigger full-blown autoimmune disease. The susceptibility to vaccine-induced autoimmunity is probably determined by genetic predisposition, which further emphasizes the importance of the mosaic of autoimmunity. When we know that the Journal of Toxicology, again, this is 2011, a positive association was found between autism prevalence and childhood vaccine uptake. Uh, so again, all you got to do, and we know there's a gut-brain connection. That's absolute. Um, you can go to Scholar Google, okay, or Google Scholar, but it's actually spelled out Scholar Google. And all I did was type in gluten gut inflammation. And you can see there's over 3,000 or 3,300 results. And the first ones are immunity, inflammation, and gut allergy. Then gluten sensitivity, gut brain, schizophrenia on the gut brain axis, uh, short term gluten free um, diet on the human gut microbiome. And you start to see this huge connection between the gut and the brain. And when you look at this, 
there's multiple studies, and this is one of the challenging aspects because in our segmented medical world, um, if you have anxiety, stress, or depression, you go to a psychiatrist. If you have bowel disorders, constipation, diarrhea, or you know bleeding rectum, you're going to go to a gastroenterologist. These two docs don't really talk to each other. So the, the psychiatrist rarely, unless they're a brilliant doc that actually reads, they're not going to refer you to a gastroenterologist. And even the gastroenterologist who isn't skilled at nutrition and isn't aware more than likely that the vaccines can cause damage or that medications can cause damage, such as antibiotics, anticholinergenic drugs, antacids can cause bowel disturbances. I mean, you're looking at almost every class of drugs that's prescribed can negatively affect the gastrointestinal tract. And knowing that has a direct connection on the brain, um, we, we really have to change this. But there is, there is hope on the horizon. And this is the brilliant part. Fecal transplants. And I encourage you to look at, again, Google Scholar. Um, and this is where I do a lot of research. It's, it's fantastic because you're talking journal articles from around the world. You type in fecal transplants in autism. And the fecal microbial transplant, um, what they're doing, they can actually take it orally by suppressing the gut bacteria. They can take it rectally. But the changing the, the um, fecal aspect or the gut microbial aspect, the intestines, radically alters mood and psychiatric function. Um, again, I'd, one of the titles of the article the Gut Microbiome and Autism Spectrum Disorder. Brilliant article. Another title of the article, Microbiome Disturbances and Autism Spectrum Disorder. Again, brilliant. Now, why, and when, when you start looking at the C-section birth, why do C-section kids have higher rates of autism? Well, for one, they're not exposed to the mom's gut flora, okay, or th through the flora of the vaginal canal. Now, luckily... Some doctors are smart enough when they do the, um, the C-section, they're actually doing vaginal swabs to get the bacteria, and they're wiping down the child, which is brilliant. And then the idiots go on to squirt the kid with silver nitrate in the eyes. They give a vitamin K shot, which is loaded with polysorbate 80 that can cross the blood-brain barrier. And then within 12 hours, they give the hepatitis B shot, all causing an inflammatory response. And remember... What's, uh, what's autism? We're talking inflammation of the gut, inflammation of the brain. So kids are not designed to handle inflammation. So again, let's look at the, the World Journal of Gastroenterology, published in 2016. Gut microbiota in autism and mood disorders. And they go on to state, in the last few years, the importance of gut microbiota impairment in the ethopathogenesis of autism, dementia, mood disorders. The question has been raised. Absolutely. Um, when, when you, and I love this because they're just coming up with an idea that, that there is a problem. And that's pretty much like a no-brainer. Um, when we look at what, what happens here, intestinal disaccharide activity in patients with autism, effects of age, gender, and intestinal inflammation. What they found was that not only 
Helicopylorus was present, low um, gut, gut flora, but also lactase deficiency. Now, this is the enzyme that's required to break down dairy products. Now, why was it deficient? Um, you know, let's look at this because uh, why is in the in the last measles, mump, and rubella study, the one in 2002 that um, Dr. William Thompson was literally the whistleblower, they, they hid the data that showed a 400% increase in autism in African-American boys. 400% is a big and statistically significant difference. Uh, and could it be that these kids were suffering lactase deficiency and this caused um, a sensitization or an inflammatory aspect in their gut? Um, and then they talk about digestive enzymes. And this was brilliant. So think of it. We've got kids with brain damage. We know there's a gut-brain connection. Um, and they actually did a randomized placebo-controlled trial of digestive enzymes in kids with autism spectrum disorder. So we know that fecal implants can help. We know that. And there's, there's a brilliant study on the way now to change the gut flora. Uh, there's also a brilliant, I mean, this article goes on to say, uh, growing evidence that there's a gut-brain connection associated with autism suggests a potential benefit from introduction of digestive enzymes. No kidding, you're going to help them break it down. So what about lactase to break down any dairy that's found inside of packaged foods? I mean, just brilliant. So we see that there's a gut-brain connection. Scientists are going along that idea. But what the heck is causing the damage to the gut? Now, we know that, there's, um, that, that the rise in vaccines correlates with autism. We know that um, out of trends of neuroscience, uh, they did an article called Psychobotics and the Manipulation of Gut Bacteria and Gut Brain Signals. Uh, You've got, you got to hear this part. We review probiotic and prebiotic effects on emotional, cognitive, systemic, and neural variables relevant to health and disease. We discuss the gut-brain signaling mechanism that enables psychobiotic effects such as metabolite production. Uh, overall knowledge of how microbiome ex responds to exogenous influences remains limited. Okay, end of quote. What they're saying there is that, oh my gosh, we found that a change in the gut flora radically alters emotional, cognitive, and systemic variables. It changes your health. That gut-brain connection is huge. It alters literally the neuroendocrine, the neuroimmune system, the sympathetic, parasympathetic. So wait a second. Could this be that the gut-brain is, is hugely important? Absolutely. So, and then pediatrics, May 2014, gastrointestinal symptoms and autism spectrum disorders. And they said, look, sure, there is an issue here. Future research much addressed the critical questions about the causes of long-term uh, gastrointestinal symptoms and autism spectrum. Uh, what about the adjuvants in vaccines? Well, sure enough, when we look at the SAGE journals, Aluminum as adjuvant in Crohn's disease introduction. 
aluminum is a potential factor for introduction of inflammation in Crohn's disease and its immune system activity shared by many characteristics with immune pathology. So if the aluminum adjuvant uh, can cause gut inflammation, could the aluminum that's in all of these different vaccines that are being injected in or the other adjuvants in there, could this have a, a negative effect on the gut? This, that article says it. Could it have a negative effect on the brain? Yeah, according to the Journal of Toxicology. And then when you look at uh, the Lancet, because a lot of doctors are saying, look, diet doesn't make a difference. Have the kid eat whatever you want. Just keep them happy if they're autistic. And a lot of doctors in the know say that's completely stupid, that there's a huge gut-brain connection that has to be addressed. Well, if you look at the, the Journal of Lancet Neurology, they wrote an article, Gluten Sensitivity from Gut to Brain, and this is 2010. Furthermore, the concepts of extraintestinal presentations without endropathy has only recently become accepted. This means that, that you can have sensitization where you eat gluten, you eat dairy, and um, you're, you have a negative response, even though they can do a colonoscopy and not find um, pathologies. So what, what real doctors, and I'm talking the doctors that are actually doing their own research, not ones that are, that are treating you out of a book, the real doctors are actually identifying that there is pathology. There is such a thing as gluten sensitivity. There is such a thing as in, inappropriate gut, gut bacteria. So what increases the inflammation of the gut? We know vaccines, we know glyphosates, we know toxic food. Um, we know that, that most gluten products or most wheat-containing products are sprayed with glyphosates. That's a natural antibiotic. So all of this stuff destroys the guts. So what is the solution? The solution, it's going to sound crazy, but you've got to detox from the heavy metals, the GMOs. You've got to get more omega-3s to protect and ensure the full-term um, health. I'm going to show you some, some pictures of kids with guts that you, I mean, it'll just break your heart. And the pathology, what Crohn's disease is. Sure enough, medications that can change the microbiome. You're looking at anxiety medications, antidepressants. So when these kids that have damaged guts, they take a medication that can damage that, they're going to end up with more changes in the microbiome. They're going to feel bad. And, and you're talking uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, statin drugs, osteoporosis medications. All of those causes damage. In fact, the most common one is the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. So what are the causes of gut damage? And this is, so you could say, what are the causes of nervous system damage or brain damage? Well, one, you've got to look at alterations in the structure of nervous system. If that person is in a stress state, they're not going to be able to present with a healthy response to the environment. Antibiotics, hugely important. If you have an infection, they can save your life. If you take it for strep throat, it's not recommended. If you take it for an ear infection, it's not recommended. Common cold, it's not recommended. If you have a life-threatening disease and you will die without it, then the risk of the antibiotic is appropriate. If you do not have a life-threatening disease, then the risk of having the antibiotic is not appropriate. 
and look at standard meat production, they're loaded with antibiotics. Look at genetically modified organisms. Those, again, are covered with glyphosates, which destroy the gut flora. Processed foods destroy the gut flora, and vaccinations destroy the gut. So literally, get the kids. Um, you got to get their nervous system checked, absolutely. they got to go on an organic, plant-based diet. Um, and, and I'm telling you, you could give these kids um, that avocado pudding. I know it sounds gross, but when you take just a couple of avocados, toss in some cacao, a little bit of coconut milk and some maple syrup, and blend this up with a little bit of sea salt, you have a chocolate pudding that's high in fat, low in sugar, and fantastically good for the brain. So look at fermented veggies. Get these kids and, and adults who have this problem fermented foods to repopulate the gut. Probiotics are good, a good start to help, but juice bl vegetables, blended fruits, berries, oxidative stress, glutathione. I mean, you literally need to change the diet to change the brain, but you've got to get the person out of stress. If they're in a stress state, they're not going to recover. So look at the body as intelligent. If the doctor doesn't understand, if the doctor is just treating the symptoms without looking at the why behind it, uh, then fire the doctor because they obviously don't know literally their butt from a hole in the ground. I mean, if the doctor's walking along, hey, is that a hole in my floor or is that my ass? Okay, they literally don't know their butt from a hole in the ground. So treat the body with respect. Treat the body like it's intelligent. Find a doctor that understands that. And to heal the brain, you've got to heal the gut. And then we're going to talk more about uh, the body stimulation into that cerebellum to get the body healthy. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. Um, <laughs> I, honest to gosh, am your biggest fan. God bless you, and I love you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.